Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilker. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's always your line. It's never like episode it? eight. It's always like it, it becomes more and more like ethereal as, it, as you go on in like a loose way. Like yeah. since it's going to be like, welcome. Like no show, no podcast. It's, just, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be an hour long. I'm going to say the word welcome, and there's going to be so much reverb and delay on it that's going to last the whole hour. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. This is good. Yes. That's when we'll really skyrocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, the, as soon as we get into fine art podcasting. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. So yeah, this is a show where Brent and I basically just talk about what, we, what we've been playing. Um, sometimes it's games that have just come out. Sometimes it's games from, uh, yesteryear. Uh, today we're going to talk about a mix of them, but Brendan, last time we talked, you were telling me that you've been revisiting Pokemon X. Yeah. Or was it Y? Uh, I'm playing X at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I have not played Y. I really like the, um, I, I don't remember. Zern, Zernias, Zern, Zernias, whatever. The, yeah. the deer, the deer, the legendary deer guy in Pokemon X, uh, big fan. Yeah, I am too. That's kind of that becomes my incentive for which version I get is how is cool legendary? legendary is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X was like this Princess Mononoke nature spirit. Yeah, and then Y was like it was like the way a fourteen-year-old says the word "cool." You know, like it was yeah, like this like yeah. weird. I'm pretty demon. sure um, it's life and death. Correct? Like, oh yeah, that is true. I yeah, think, there's um, oddly yeah. oddly heavy themes uh, that are like the subtle under theme of, of each pokemon game i think one of them was like time and space that was that was that's diamond, diamond and pearl time and space yeah yeah and then uh and then the third legendary and platinum version was just like anti i think it's antimatter it was the god of antimatter <laughs> and and he ruled over like a weird void like second plane of existence that you had to travel to people don't talk enough about those that shit in those games yeah because I feel like in red and blue, the ultimate legendaries were just like really powerful birds, and now it's like yeah. pocket dimension, like Dark Souls bosses. Basically. Okay, I was gonna wait until later to talk about this, but we're we're already on track, so let's let's get into it. <laughs> Here's the thing that blows my mind about Pokemon: there there are two things that like I can't stop thinking about about Pokemon. Number one, quickly, we don't even have to get into it, but I find it really funny that whenever you beat Team Rocket members, they still give you money. Like if, yeah. when you beat them in battle, like they still pay you like, okay, they're the criminals though, but they still abide by the weird, like Pokemon trainer <laughs> rules. Um, That's the unbreakable rule. The code y- of ethics. Yeah. Very weird. Like they'll steal your Pokemon, but they will pay you if you beat them in battle. Anyway, <laughs> um, very weird. The other thing, this is the thing that I can't stop thinking about. So Arceus or Ar- or Arceus or however you pronounce that Pokemon's name. Oh yeah. The God of all Pokemon. It's the right. God of all Pokemon. It's the Pokemon yeah. that created every other one. Like there's a direct, like you could trace the lineage of all the legendaries and all the Pokemon after the legendaries. Right. And it all started with that one Pokemon. How does that change that world? Like that world is so interesting, right? Because they have now scientifically proven that God exists <laughs> for Pokemon. Yeah, that that leaves two questions, right? One of them is: Are people Pokemon also, and is Arceus uh, also their god, or does proving that one god exists make everyone else in the Pokemon world like hyper religious? Like, I I wonder like what that society is like. <laughs> it is a really strange society, especially in some of the stuff that happens in X and Y. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
it's it must be this like imagine being a new trainer and like walking around the forest it's your first time alone and you have like rattata and a bug or something <laughs> and you're yeah. like hey I'm, lo- I'm looking to challenge somebody and someone's like oh that's really cool that you have a rat and a bug i have the god of all pokemon just <laughs> on my belt like you want to go let's do it yeah yeah, I always wonder like why why some of those Pokemon are so okay with just getting the ball. Like Alakazam is like I think in <laughs> in canon the smartest being in the world. Yeah, like it says it in the Pokemon in the Pokedex description of Alakazam. Like it is the most highly intelligent thing that exists, and it's like yeah, sure, I'll get in your Pokeball, whatever, <laughs> I'll hang out. I I always had a running theory that Mister Mime. So Mister Mime in Red and Blue, you get from. You have to trade with an NPC. You have to surf to a dude's house. It's like enclosed from the rest of the town. Mm-hmm. And he is like, hey, I've got this Mr. Mom I really need to get rid of. Do you have a Scyther or like something rad? Yeah. And when you trade, you get a Mr. Mom. It's the only Mr. Mom in the game. And his name is like Bill or something. Oh, yeah. Just, it just has like a regular ass human name. Yeah, yeah. And I always just assumed that that was like that guy's son. That he just wants to get out of the house. <laughs> Hey, you want this cool new Pokemon? Like, Dad, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was always really strange. I yeah. um, they later my theory was debunked in later versions when they went out of their way to make a baby version of Mister Mime. Mm. So like, you could literally like, not to get too blue, but you could breed a Mister Mime if you really wanted to. Yeah, um, which is strange. But yeah, so outside of like lore and like yeah, pasta <laughs> theories, uh, how are you enjoying revisiting Pokemon X? Um, I, I love so I just quick history for me. I've played all the Pokemon games. The only ones I haven't beaten are Black and White and Black and White Two. Um, just that was we we mentioned it like very briefly at the very end of the last episode, but like. That to me was the point when Pokemon revisiting or like just rehashing the exact same formula over and over and over again, like really got to me was like black yeah. and white, black and white too. I think they maybe have some of the best Pokemon designs of all of them, but like the actual gameplay, I just found sure. so like tired and Pokemon X came out and to me personally it just felt like a breath of fresh air. And to me, that was like a soft reboot of the franchise. Um and I love it. I love it even more now than I than I did the first time I played it. I think it's like so beautiful. The the French theme I think is like amazing. Yeah, it's great, it, especially with the professor. Yeah, Whenever he shows up like it. Uh, I got. I don't know the genre of music, but like that kind of like south of uh, I almost said south of Wales. What am I thinking? <laughs> south of south of France, like whimsy mm-hmm. always plays when he's around yeah because um, yeah it's, it's it, that's the first of the like line the lineage of hot professors that they've started to throw in right oh like, yeah he, he is breathtaking whenever yeah. he shows up i'm like <gasps> i yeah. turn the 3d on i the gasp <laughs> i turn the 3d on uh yeah. the alolan guy with the open shirt and like the six pack uh and then um <laughs> the dude in pokemon go also like that that's yeah. just the trend now it's just like dad you know uh yeah i i think i think pokemon x is is spectacular you said that you had some beef with it or something uh and i i'm curious where you're at oh i didn't i don't have beef with it i think i said the phrase in the last episode that i wished it was the last pokemon game oh which in yes, retrospect, yes in retrospect that does make me sound like literally the villain of this game who wants to destroy <laughs> all. okay uh, real talk uh, just real quick yeah, this villain is the funniest villain in like any video game ever. Yeah. He is so like Lysander, 
the game goes out of their way to make him seem like a kind of tragic, like Javert type character. Right. And he's just like cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Do you um, remember what his plan is? His plan. So he he's basically the Giovanni of this game. He's head of Team Flare, mm-hmm. who are the Team Rocket and their main Team Flare, independent of Lysander's main goal is to like improve everyone's fashion, basically. Yeah. Um, that's happening. But outside of that, Lysander, their leader, wants to destroy all Pokemon. Right. And all people that aren't in Team Flare. Yeah. So basically just like Thanos level mass genocide because he can't bear to see pokemon being used for evil yeah and it's like i don't want to be in a i don't want to like you got to discover this on your own lysander but like you got to take a look in the mirror here because like <laughs> <laughs> you are literally the only one in this world doing evil everyone yeah. else is like you should come to the store and catch magikarp and you're like i will destroy everyone who isn't fashionable <laughs> yeah i'm just here eating a fucking macaron and you're coming in here telling me that i can't have a mouth like that's yeah <laughs> Messed the up, reason man. I I wanted it to be so I I'm also a big Pokemon fan. I played I missed like a generation or two here or there, um, but I played most of them. Mm-hmm. And I really loved X and Y. Actually, X and Y came out when when we were working for uh, our old video game website, and I wrote the review of it. Oh um, right, yeah. And it does feel like the first true sequel since Silver and Gold. I always yeah. point to Silver and Gold because I think a lot of people a lot of people our age and like their mid to late twenties are like. Oh, red and blue all the way. Everything else, you know, can take a hike. That's that's such a backwards way of thinking. Are you on my team here? Are you about to are you about to make me very happy? Are you are you about to say that gold and silver are better than red and blue? Oh, 100 percent. Yes. And I will I will live and die by that. And and listen, here's here's why I'll I'll break it down for you. The new Pokemon were rad. All three starters are awesome. Yeah. Also, they're the only starters that stay monotype the whole game. (laughs) Um. Uh-huh. Uh, two, sorry, I did that. That was weird. Um, two, uh, it introduced so much. It introduced day and night cycles. It mm-hmm. introduced breeding. It split the special stat. If you're like really in the weeds on this, yeah. It added items um, that you could make Pokemon hold. It added a whole other layer of strategy. It added two new types. It added legendary dogs. And if you didn't like all that new stuff, all the old ones are still there. It fixed all the issues and glitches that were in the first game. And the first continent that you're in in red and blue is in the game. Yes. So once you beat it, you go back there and then you fight yourself. Basically, you fight uh, red. It's it's like the Godfather 2 of video game sequels. It improves on everything. Not to say Godfather 2 is inherently better than one, but like they both are shiny examples of like their respective series. I always compare um, it to um the the other argument that I live and die by is that Back to the Future 2 is better than the first one. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The first one's a classic. The second one has the first movie in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get what do you, you think get, of, what do you think of three though? Oh, it's a nightmare. Um uh, <laughs> uh, three was the first one I ever saw. Isn't that weird? Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh yeah. Two two has the future. It has uh, the evil future, has a dystopian future, and then they go back in time again. They go back uh, and do the first movie again. So you get everything. Anyway, that's what Silver and Gold feel like to me. Uh, it's amazing. Did you know that was a Wada that put the that put Kanto in there? Like Satoru oh, really? Wada? Yeah. So the the late uh, Nintendo president who just passed away was that last year or two years ago? Apparently, like they were in the middle of making Gold and Silver, and he was like, "I have an idea," and then spent like two days working on the game. He like came in. He wasn't even like one of the developers on it. He like came in as just like 
added help was like, I have an idea. He's like, hey, I put uh, the entire first game in here on the same cartridge and it takes up like no space on the cartridge. Uh, have fun with that. And everybody was like, <laughs> what? He's apparently like a brilliant, brilliant coder. Yeah, and he just fit the sure. whole first game in there using like the same tile sets or something uh, and saved like all this extra space on the cartridge. So they were able to like actually fit in story and stuff. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think Crystal, which was like in the second generation, was the ge- first game that let you play as a um, as a female trainer. Yeah. Um, as the first one cool. with like true color also, like you like everything yeah. was uh, actually colored in. It wasn't just like um, like blue tone kind of stuff uh, and also animations for some of the sprites. So that that generation just felt like they were like improving on everything and adding so much new cool stuff. And yeah. since then. Like we've said, like they haven't really added a lot. Like I think there there are some cool things about Ruby and Emerald that were introduced, but like other than adding weather and like mm-hmm. Team Aqua's rad fashion, that's basically it. Yeah. Diamond and Pearl were kind of a nightmare in retrospect. Like I played that game a lot, but looking back, that one was easily the worst. Uh it was <laughs> like there were like six hundred Pokemon and you saw Bidoof for ninety-eight percent of the game. Yeah. Like and that one was also like so reliant on HMs to get anywhere. Like you had to like delete your move pool just to get through the game, which like was just a chore. Yeah. Um, black and white was a step in the right direction, but yeah, X and Y was like they finally used the hardware to make a Pokemon game that felt like it was like belonging to the present reality. Yeah, it felt like an adventure again, whereas the other ones yeah. felt like I'm just doing Pokemon. You know, I'm just like, I, yeah. this is tried and true. X and Y felt like a felt like a story. Exactly. And and the reason why I kind of wished it was the last one was because it, it felt like it would be a nice swan song for the series. Mm. I know Pokemon's not going anywhere. But oh, like, yeah. It kind of felt like I'm like, I don't really know how much more they can do than this. You know, like mm. I was like, I don't really know where this series can go after this. Yeah. Um, and I, and I would have liked to see like, I don't want it to end. And I haven't played Sun and Moon and those games look awesome. I, I, hear, I hear they're great. Oh, yeah. So. Maybe I was wrong, but just at the time, for whatever reason, maybe this is also just growing up. I was like, this feels good. This feels like a good like bow on the series. Yeah. The other thing that I always point out with X and Y is um, the actual game, like the main story mode, is a little easier than normal. Like even for this series, which is, you know, marketed to a younger audience. Yeah. Like, the way they handle experience share is like amazing. Yeah, it is. And you usually have a rival. On this game, you have like, a group of friends yeah it's a lot five more, friends yeah. yeah five friends who all love being like beaten by you like yeah. in pokemon they're all right. like i can't wait to battle you again so i can lose i think they even say that yeah and i'm like i, I halfway through the game i had to wonder like if i was playing as the bad guy yeah uh, until i met lysander and i'm like oh he's the bad guy gotcha gotcha <laughs> point point taken the best thing is uh right in the beginning when you first meet them like so uh, my name in the game is brendan um so as soon as I go in and I sit down, they uh, recommend a nickname for you or they recommend a couple nicknames. And one of them was B-Dog. And then the second one was Lil B, like the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and I was like, that's it. That's my nickname. That's Thank amazing. You. Great recommendation. I'm pretty sure my name was Steven. And then I chose Steve as my nickname. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bold moves. Yeah. Uh, also, if you're playing that game now, they do refer to you as the nickname like more than they do your actual name. So choose yeah. wisely. Yes. The, just while I'm thinking about like random shit that they add into that game, my favorite thing of all time uh, that is in X and Y is Wonder Trade. Wonder Trade is so funny. Oh, there, it is. There's like literally yeah. nothing funnier. So Wonder Trade essentially is you can take whatever Pokemon you want and then you just throw it into this thing called Wonder Trade and... Uh, 
essentially they just find anyone else in the world who is also wonder trading at the same time and you just trade pokemon and there's no way to say like i want this kind of thing it is completely random always and you always get garbage 100 yeah. of the time you always you get, get garbage yeah a lot of zubats a lot of like new generation bugs yeah that i forgot the name of although one of the most popular twitch streams at all times if you go into like the if you sort by game and then go into pokemon is uh, a person that is constantly wonder trading out shiny pokemon out of uh six nintendo 3ds's simultaneously <laughs> and you can you can they have all six screens on and it's just like showing the wonder trades happening i i would love to see the max i feel like getting someone halfway decent on wonder trade is like akin to winning the lottery like yeah. the actual numbers it feels that way i've never gotten anything good out of wonder trade no. but i do continue to throw pokemon in there and sometimes i will throw good stuff in because it's like I just, I, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. I used to do like, if I was doing a lot of like, if I was hatching a bunch of eggs and had like a bunch of, you know, like Skarmory's or something, mm -hmm. I would throw like a few in there if they didn't have like the compatible personality type. Yeah. Um, there's a, which, there's one Pokemon in Sun and Moon. I won't, I, I guess I won't spoil it, but there's one Pokemon that only evolves if it's female. So if you do Wonder Trade in that game, it's like all the male type of that Pokemon. Oh, is that the Pokemon that becomes uh, Gardevoir? I don't think so. It's like a it's like a lizard. It's like a fire lizard. There's so many Pokemon now. Yeah, there's a lot. There's <laughs> like I know that's always like, oh, that's that's the main fodder for people who like tap that at red and blue. Like, oh, there's too many. I'm like, I mean, you're not wrong. And yeah. they're also like mostly bad there's like 18 versions of Rattata. yeah <laughs> one of my friends just did a twitch stream where she uh opened up 200 packs of pokemon cards and oh, that's amazing i was just sitting there watching i watched it the whole time and i was just like i don't recognize like i swear to god these are digimon like <laughs> i don't recognize any of these <laughs> yeah, and i played I all the games i don't recognize some of the pokemon that exist i feel like ruby and emeralds is the generation that got more digimon-esque in its design that's not mm. inherently bad it just sort of different i think they course corrected in black and white a bit they did they that's did, where yeah. it kind of gets good that's where you get like the the cute like panda guy who like evolves into the big one who's like a fighty yeah. guy uh, that's uh, where Pan garbador is the garbage guy Garbador, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, X and Y, you have like the sword. Uh, you have the keys, which is really good. Yeah. I don't know, man. Pokemon designs are getting good again. And then obviously in Sun and Moon, you have all the Alolan stuff. So you have like the super tall executor, which is like my favorite thing ever. Yeah. It's so, it's so goofy. Good. Or the mullets, the the Doug Trio with mullets. Yeah, the, um, yeah, the Fabio Doug Trio. Yeah, they just they went all out with that one. I love that. Yeah, um, big fan. Yeah, X and Y is a great game. I also think that because it's a little easier, it's the best version to play um, a Nuzlocke run on, which is right something that whenever I go back to Pokemon, like every year or so, I'll play it that way. Yeah, you said you always play Nuzlocks. You don't do yeah. it any other way anymore. I don't really do it any other way now because it's just like. It's it changes the whole game. And I love seeing because at this point, like I've, you know, I've played them. So I get the gist. Right. Yeah. Can you um, explain what an Nuzlocke run is for the listeners? Basically, there are two rules to constitute it being a Nuzlocke run. One is that whenever a Pokemon faints, they're done. You can't use them anymore. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they're permadeath. Dead. They've died. Um, and two, uh, you can only catch the first Pokemon you see in a new area. So the way I usually count that is like if the map changes. So like if you're on route yeah. one and you encounter a Pidgey, that's the one you can get from route one. Yes. Um, if you knock it out or, you know, whatever happens, if you don't catch it, 
tough luck you have to move yeah. to the next area <laughs> so what that does is it makes you play with a team a pokemon you probably would have just immediately deposited into your pc yeah and you get to see like you also get way more attached to them because you, you have, have to name to, them too isn't that yeah i mean i always rules? name them anyway yeah. but oh, do yeah, you? yeah those are the only two concrete rules people add other ones like you know you can't use poke centers or you can only use items or no items or whatever yeah um i the only other thing i add is i play in set mode which is like right um usually if you're in switch it broadcasts to you that the other trainer is changing pokemon and you can change to respond to that and set mode you can still switch out but you have to like you're basically going to take a hit after they switch because it's yeah. not told to you my favorite uh, extra rule in x and y and omega ruby and sapphire and then also i guess in sun and moon is uh when you beat a gym, you have to wonder trade off one of the members yeah. of your team. Oh <laughs> that my one's God. really funny. I think um, uh, Griffin McElroy has a really funny video series of his Nuzlocke and X and Y. Yeah. And I, th- I think he does that role. But, yeah, it's um, wonderful. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, I, X and Y is a good version too because they give you a lot of stuff. It's a little easier. And you also um, don't really have to use any HMs to get around other than Surf, which is an actual good move. So like... Yeah it makes the experience a lot more fun. Um, I've tried doing Nuzlocke on other versions. I tried on black and white and it is so hard in that game. Really? It's a hard, it's a harder game, but that game like does not give you a break. You don't know if you're walking into a new area, if your friends quote unquote are going to challenge you to a fight. I literally took the wrong turn in a town. Cause I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Poke Center, but let me just explore first. And I ran into the main antagonist of the game by a Ferris wheel. I was like, no! And I couldn't get out of it. And then I just, my team got wiped out. I just oh, started man. Yeah. It, it's a really interesting experience. Like, yeah. I, again, I only play the series seldomly now, but when I do go back to it, I like trying that and seeing like who I end up using. And, and it's a really cool experience. It, it, it totally changes the game. Yeah, it really um, makes me want to do it yeah hearing you talk about it i was talking to a friend of mine who's also doing it right now um he's playing which one he's playing emerald um doing a nuzlocke on that i i, I gotta do a nuzlocke maybe i'll stream yeah. one. maybe that's what i'll do maybe i'll stream a nuzlocke sometime soon that'll be fun my the saddest moment and the first nuzlocke i ever did was in fire red i think the first nuzlocke ever done was on ruby and emerald mm. uh and then and since then it's just become its own like style of playing um yeah yeah and fire red I bought the Magikarp at the Poke Center and I named it Hope, hoping that one day, you know, it would become a Gyarados. Yeah. And then I went into Diglett's Cave and the first Pokemon I ran into was Dugtrio. And Dugtrio has a passive, in that game, Dugtrio has a passive move that doesn't, it disables you being able to switch Pokemon. Right. So yeah. Hope Hope was the front of my team. Oh. And I couldn't do I couldn't run. I couldn't switch anything. I just had to watch as this level 31 Doug Trio just obliterated my magic heart. Oh no. Thankfully, I caught it and I named them Hope Killer. That was yeah. my like main uh later on my starter, Rosencrantz, my Ivysaur got killed by Marowak's ghost. It was a really like Shakespearean Nuzlocke wow. uh, run. Yeah. Jesus. I ended the game. I beat it. I ended the game. With two Pokemon. I had a lot of casualties in that run. Yeah. Um, I ended it with Arbok and Jolteon. Those are my two that got oh, out. Oh, man. Yeah. How many times have you finished a Nuzlocke run? Just once. I got pretty far on X and Y, um, yeah. but I haven't beat it. I got up to the Elite Four and I just sort of moved on. Mm. 
X and Y is very doable. It's it's not too bad. Yeah, um, I might just the convert thing, the run that I'm doing right now into another run because yeah. I've only <laughs> done one fun. gym so far. So I, I'm yeah, no, that's totally that's enough. totally fair. Um, the main thing that's hard about X and Y is that you don't know. Sometimes Pokemon have moves you wouldn't expect them to have. So yeah. you'll be like, okay, cool, I'll be fine. And like, oh, by the way, I secretly know Earthquake, and you're like, well, there goes everyone I love. I'm start over. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's really fun. But yeah, X and Y is great. I um, I think it's definitely in the top three for me. Um, yeah. I would say Silver and Gold's one. Hell yeah. Then X and Y's probably two, and then I would say like, I don't know, maybe maybe Black and White, maybe Ruby Sapphire and Black and White are kind of like on the same level for me. Oh really? Ruby Sapphire yeah. is so far ahead of Black and Black and White is like easily the bottom one and oh, two. Oh really? Oh yeah. I just really did not enjoy playing those games at all. Huh? Just felt well, like really burnt out on them. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's also because Ruby Sapphire I I missed somehow, so I didn't play them until later. Oh, did but... you play? Uh, did you play uh, Omega and Alpha? No, I didn't. I've been meaning to get those, but yeah, X and Y was the last one I bought. Was, oh uh, okay yeah. yeah omega ruby and alpha sapphire are really 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 good remakes and yeah um yeah sun and moon obviously really good although i guess if you get sun and moon at this point you should probably get ultra sun and moon i don't know what the differences are but there are some so what do you think the next pokemon's gonna be titled oh right because they're out of colors they're out of gems they're out of like planets yeah, what was the last one? Sun and Moon? Oh man, what do they do? My, my running theory is that it's going to be called Pokemon Up and Down. That's, that's what I'm going to guess. Up and Down? They're just going to go through all the lyrics of Kesha's Hot and Cold? <laughs> there it is, Hot and Cold. It's perfect. <laughs> I could see that for real, though. I also think it's kind of, I mean, I understand that it's like tradition at this point, but it is sort of like, okay, Nintendo, when they keep making two versions, because yeah. like... The first generation, they literally did that because they couldn't fit it on the cartridge. And now it's yeah. like you are guaranteed that there's going to be two versions with like almost no difference and a third game that's like an expansion and then a remake of the last generation. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is with with Ultra Moon. So instead of the third one this time, they just did like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Uh, and I remember like the lead up to that game or to, to those games, I guess, quote unquote, coming out. Uh, I was just like, okay, one month until Ultra Sun and Moon come out, and I still haven't seen a, an explanation from Nintendo about what is different between this game yeah. and and the regular Sun and Moon. And then like, okay, this game comes out in two weeks, and I still haven't seen an explanation as to what is different. And then the game was out, and I had friends who bought it and played it, and I was like, what was different? And they were like, I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it's also and, a strength to Pokemon's formula that, like, even though it ran dry after five games, like, it still was a blast for that long. It just, like, totally. You know, it's it's just, a, I hope that they keep they keep up this sort of X and Y and silver and gold, like, uh, style of doing a sequel where it's, like, truly feels like a, a step forward for the series. Yeah, so we're getting uh, Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu, which is quote-unquote... Uh, a remake of yellow is is what they're saying it's like a remake of yellow with um pokemon go mechanics which by the way are you gonna get eevee or pikachu what are you doing um i'm not sure i don't uh, i think i'll probably get the game i, I it wasn't on my like must buy list oh um, you weren't even thinking about getting it yeah okay yeah i mean not not in like a negative way just like i i was gonna wait on it a little bit um yeah because I don't, I don't really play pokemon go that much anymore um yeah me either Depending on a number of things, I'll, I'll probably end up picking it up. I'll probably go Eevee, honestly. I'm also going to go Eevee. 
Yeah, because I think it's cool that he, they're giving someone else a chance at the spotlight. There's yeah. a lot of competition in the Pokemon uh, list of creatures to to be on a cover of a game. I hope Mareep one day gets a, <laughs> a, a chance in the spotlight, or maybe Psyduck. Pokemon Bidoof version. <laughs> Yeah, it's let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu, and stay home Bidoof. (laughs) Stay home Bidoof. Bidoof's like, hey, I have my aunt's Hulu account if you want to watch anything. (laughs) I would love Pokemon Let's Go Spoink. That would be amazing. Um, Bidoof Bidoof is my favorite evolution, too, because he just gets, like, bigger. Like, it's like, they did not. It's just the same exact Pokemon, yeah. There was no love in that that guy's creation, but I love Um, him. So, so we're getting those games. We're getting Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Uh, and then after that, they said they're working on like the real thing. So mm. 2019, apparently, we're going to see what that is. That's going to come out. That's kind of how I see the Like, I'm sure they're going to be fun, but I kind of see Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu as like what Hyrule Warriors was before Breath of the Wild, where it was sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it was like a fun kind of sideshow before the main event, if that makes yeah, any sense. Totally. Which is yeah, like, like totally uh, fun. Like Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival, like. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That exists just to satiate some people until the full game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what that next one's going to be. I'm really excited to see it, though, because like this is the first time that the Pokemon mobile development team is working on a home console version of like a mainline Pokemon game. That is really exciting, yeah. Especially in an era where things like Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild are coming out and like reinventing those franchises. Um, I'm excited to see what Pokemon does. But then after that, probably a remake of Diamond and Pearl, right? Because that's next on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Get uh team I think it was Team Galactus or something. They, oh they yeah, had, yeah. They had the the worst outfits, in my opinion. If I had to rank the team's fashion, yeah. I would say uh one is Aqua, two mm-hmm. is Flair, credit where credit's due. Flair's got a good look. Yeah. And three is probably Rocket. The, yeah, the, Rocket. I was gonna the, say Rocket also the start of it all but yeah bottom of the barrel is team galactus they have mm. like heaven's gate mushroom cuts and jumpsuits <laughs> i'm glad you have uh the pirates team aqua up that high that's good yeah just i'm i'm into that nautical life it's it's great I yeah love the look our hey should we take a break <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's take a break uh the most evil thing i've ever done in a video game other than read Pia's journal in breath of the wild was mm-hmm. Um, which I still feel very guilty about, and I, yeah. and I wish I could go back in time and undo that. Is in Pokemon Yellow, I you if you try to use a Thunderstone on Pikachu, he says no. So I traded Pikachu to my red version, and then evolved him in that game, and then traded him back, and he wasn't there anymore. He didn't follow me anymore. Oh my god! Yeah, I felt I started a new game immediately. I felt awful. I felt awful. It basically it was like. Peter Pan being like, I don't want to grow up. And then I somehow like made him age in front of me. <laughs> like, yeah. So he went to Neverland to hide and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take you to this other place called Always yeah. Land and you're going to fucking age. <laughs> Come with me to Secaucus, New Jersey, where you'll age immediately. <laughs> hey, everybody. We're back. And um, Brent and I were just talking about more games we've been playing. I've been also revisiting a 3DS game. I've been playing Fire Emblem Fates which I'm really, really enjoying. I haven't played this one before. Yeah. Fate's weirdly uh, same kind of deal as Pokemon, right? Where they had like the two different versions and then a third version that you could play after, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is actually, I'm borrowing this from a friend because I I loved Awakening. That was the first, and actually that's the first and only up until now Fire Emblem game I've played was Awakening. Same, actually. 
Yeah, which which is weird because I feel like I've often gone on record saying like I love the series and I've only played Awakening. Yeah, <laughs> I had like, the first one on Game Boy Advance, and yeah. then I I think I didn't really get into it or play it, and then I played Awakening a lot and loved it, and then got yeah. uh, Birthright. I think is is one of the ones in the Fates collection, correct? Ah, uh, we continue our dynamic because I have Conquest, my friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got I got Birthright and started playing it and didn't get as into it as Awakening, so I didn't keep going. But I want to hear what you think about it. Yeah, so just like real quick, I played Awakening when it came out, uh, new to the series, and was surprised at how much I really loved it, because I only really knew about it, like a lot of people, um, through Smash Brothers, you know? Right, yeah. I knew, and that's actually how, because it was only in Japan for like years, it was like on the series on the NES, the Super Nintendo, or Super Famicom. I actually just learned a whole lot about this, Uh, Fire Emblem only exists because of the Advance Wars franchise. Oh, really? Yeah, so Advance Wars started in Japan, like, way, way, way before the original Advance Wars came out. It's, like, uh-huh. a really old Nintendo first-party franchise. I think it was called, like, Micro Wars or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and they released one with every console they released. So there's one on the NES, one on the Super Nintendo, and then Advance Wars was the first one they released in the United States, and it did so well that they were like, oh, man, we should probably bring Fire Emblem over then to the West. I, yeah, I also think it's because that mixed with um, Marth and Roy were really popular when Melee came out. So I think that like there was a clear interest in the game before it yeah. was released. Yeah. Um, I, I had played... Actually, that was the selling point, because I had played Advance Wars on the, G, on the Game Boy Advance, and I loved that game. It was one of my favorite yeah. games. Me too. Um, and I was told, like, oh, you love Fire Emblem. It's basically that, but, like, with swords and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sign me up. That sounds great. Um, loved Awakening. My, one of my favorite games of that year. Um, Conquest, uh, which I'm playing now, is so much less of a good gateway for the series. I can't imagine if I played this one first. <laughs> like, yeah. Awakening feels like it's definitely made to be, like, a re-entry point for the series. Like, I think that totally. that's, like... A lot of people I know also played that series first with Awakening. That and like the Game Boy Advance one with like Marth and, and everybody in it. This series doesn't really do a great job of telling you how to play it at all. Like I would <laughs> highly recommend yeah. anyone who wants to get into the series just like look up a quick like beginner's guide. Because mm-hmm. um, it <laughs> it tells you like how to move characters and that's about it. Um, yeah. the rest Conquest and- is, the, uh, is the hard mode one also. Like of... Between Birthright and Conquest, like for Fates, Birthright is the one for beginners, which I I got that one because I was like, I am basically a beginner and I still found it like, you're not teaching me how to play this game, guys. Yeah. So Conquest, Conquest is, is for like rough. experts. Yeah. It is. is I, it? I, I love it. I actually really, I might, it's too soon to tell, but I'm liking parts of it more than I liked Awakening. Um, wow. Actually. Yeah. So, uh, Real quick, like it's a big series. I'm sure anyone listening knows that. But if you haven't picked it up yet, um, the way it works is it's like a turn-based strategy game where your characters, like in an RPG, all have different classes and different attacks and spells and abilities. The main recurring gameplay feature of this series is that when characters die, they're out for good. It's like a Nuzlocke in that way. There's a permadeath. Other than the main character who, if they die, you just lose and you have to start over. So that makes every fight feel really engaged. It's kind of like how I felt in the last mission of Mass Effect 2. I don't know if you ever mm. played that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like all your decisions matter because everyone, all these people who you've spent the whole game getting to know and befriending are suddenly at risk. And I, like, that's one of the few moments 
in a video game where I was like on the edge of my seat, literally like yeah. just like so immersed and engaged oh and like god, sweating. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in like playing a video game was the last mission of Mass Effect 2. And I got a, a, a version of that, like a less dramatic version of that, but a more consistent version of that playing Awakening. Um, yeah. So Conquest is basically the same game as Awakening. They add some more stuff you could do, um, some interesting classes, uh, but it's the same feature oh and there's also a lot of fun stuff where like if characters you can pair characters up to fight alongside each other and the more they do that they'll become closer like as characters and you unlock kind of like persona-esque it's a great uh, mechanic yeah it's it's really awesome and it makes your playthrough of it feel unique to you you yeah that's where the romance options come in also and then they can like fall in love and have kids and stuff which i think inherit abilities from both parents and things like that so they do you get like a bunch of trunkses from the future who come back and they're like (laughs) adults but um anyway i'm really enjoying conquest more because of the story this time around um so the setup awakening is pretty much like good versus evil plot like it's 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 engaging enough but it's kind of just what you would expect yeah um even though the characters are great like i thought lucina was awesome and i was so happy she was in smash yeah lucina is like my favorite character in that whole franchise me too me too even still um but with conquest uh the setup at least in in in, uh conquest i'm not sure if it's different in birthright it is um but talk about it yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you what it's like in birthright okay awesome (laughs) so uh you play as corin who is a the player avatar that you can edit to your liking Mm-hmm. And um, you, my corn is the princess of this very gloomy Game of Thrones kingdom with a ragtag group of siblings who are all really likable and unique. And a king who is like clearly evil from the first scene you see him in. You basically get sent on a mission to the kingdom is like Nor, I think. Uh, Nar or Nor. It's N O H R. That sounds right. And they have been in war for ages against the kingdom of Hoshido. Nor is like gloomy Game of Thrones. Hoshido is very uh, samurai inspired. And you go on a mission, you get kidnapped. Lo and behold, you, Corin, are actually the uh, biological child of the Hoshido royal family. And they're kind of like, hey, Nor like, is the pits. They've done all this awful stuff. They killed your father and then kidnapped you. And like, we're just so happy you're back. And they're nothing but chill. They're nothing but nice and like clearly painted as the good guys, even though you like your siblings from Noir in the beginning. Right. And then like, and this isn't really a spoiler because it happens like at the very beginning of the game. Uh, Noir comes to invade the capital of Hoshido where you are. And on the battlefield, both sides are kind of calling out to you to fight for them. So the game lets you choose, even though I'm pretty sure you're, you're limited to whatever game you have. Um Yeah. I but, if I'm if I'm remembering correct because actually that a lot of that tracks with birthright I think it is the same exact situation just switch the clans like switch the groups of people gotcha so having played that as as a player I was like my gut reaction was like oh defend Hoshido of course right. but then I realized I was playing conquest and I had to side with Noir yeah and it was so heartbreaking but awesome like it was so like and it was interesting to think about because as a player i had way more time in hoshido to kind of get to know these characters and to see the history but thinking about like actually role-playing as corin she had spent her whole life knowing these people so it's kind of more in character and she's someone who like from the get-go has been defined as 
Um, I'm going to find peace through any means necessary. It's a very paragon, like lawful good kind of worldview. Like, right. I'm going to take the long approach to world peace, which may like seem complicated, but I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so choosing noir and then like the, fo- the, it, it was, it felt like in, uh, in undertale when you choose the bad part and have to kill all your friends. Like, yeah, it was like, chapter seven embrace the darkness and like everyone was like wait are, are is your mind under control why are you doing this and it was like rough but, yeah it's um, it's anakin storming the the jedi yeah temple. but it, it wasn't insert it, on a surface level it's good or bad but like it's a bit more intricate and i really enjoyed that tough decision yeah. because it reminds you can, me a lot of skyrim in that way yeah it's like it, for sure because both sides are problematic and different ways you know yeah like in skyrim it's set up where you're like oh my god the storm cloaks 100 and then you get to windhelm and you're like oh you guys like blow chunks uh, also this terrible yeah. Yeah, yeah this is awful and then the story that follows is really interesting but it's not necessarily the main story so far of conquest is not good versus evil but it's like how can we how can we on paper follow orders from this horrible king but yeah. still get the end result that we want um and I'm really enjoying that. Like, I, I really feel like I'm getting, uh, even though it was not the decision I wanted to make, um, it's so interesting that the game, like, I mean, I honestly, I kind of wish they just let you make it regardless of the version you have. And maybe there's like some other kind of difference because um, it feels kind of weird to be offered the choice, but you are locked in. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, really enjoying the like more atypical story of conquest. Um, I'm yeah. really digging it. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing it on hard and it is a lot. It's very difficult. Um, yeah, it's difficult in the way that you really like I normally because there is that permadeath feature that you can also bypass by just restarting your 3DS and trying again. Right. Um, but I find that if I'm lo- if I lose a character, it's like a dominoes effect where I lose a lot of other people and then eventually my main character. So I had to restart anyway. But it's one of those things where you, you kind of have to lose at a level a few times until you know, like, okay, what's the best like route there? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is based on chance because there's like sort of percent percentages of, of hits being landed and all that. It really does pay off to like have everyone grouped together because they buff each other. If they yeah. are, that's the only advice I can really give. Cause I'm still <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but I really love it. I'm sorry. Birthright didn't click for you. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a conquest Brendan after all. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, talking what about did, what didn't work for you. If you don't mind me asking, I'm not like offended. I'm just curious. Well, I, I have to walk on eggshells now because I don't want to, I don't want to throw you into a blind rage. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't know, man. It just it just didn't it just didn't click for me. It might have been like other games came out around the same time. I, d- sure. I don't have too much of a recollection of it. I got to that point where you have to choose sides. Um, I remember and um, dipped out like around there. I still have it like I could still, I guess, hop into my 3DS and play it whenever because uh, I have it downloaded on there. Um, but yeah, it just just didn't work for me, honestly, cool. the same way Awakening did, which I loved. I loved Awakening. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know, maybe the next one. But also you might be right. Like maybe it is the hard mode thing like maybe i throw it into hard mode especially like now that i want to do a nuzlocke run um and <laughs> yeah. i don't know i play a lot of roguelikes now whereas i didn't you know when i started playing fire emblem and also on top of that um we're going to talk about this game next but like into the breach is like fire emblem you know like mega hard mode yeah in a yeah, way it's like it really a, is advanced wars on like another level yeah maybe, maybe that's the move maybe playing with permadeath and, and doing it that way is the way to go 
I will say, tangentially on the side, uh, I do really like the mobile game, Fire Emblem Heroes. I think it's really well made. Uh, and that is probably the best entry point to the series. If you've never played Fire Emblem before, like uh. try out Fire Emblem Heroes. It's a free game that you can download on your phone. Uh, and if you like it enough, go play Awakening or Birthright. Yeah, I would still recommend Awakening to start with. Um, just because like, it's a little bit more. Uh, it's not even easier. This is another. Uh, we'll talk about into the breach later but into the breach has a thing where it says uh easy normal or hard and i'm like yeah. i want to put heavy quotes around all of those because like easy <laughs> is normal normal is hard and i don't even know what hard is yeah. uh same thing with uh, fire emblem there's at least i think in in uh awakening it was normal hard or lunatic um whoa yeah i played on hard and it was very difficult. I'm playing on hard on this one, and it is like, I guess because I'm playing on hard on Conquest, it feels a little harder. Yeah. Um, I tried Lunatic once, and that is like, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I have no clue. Because a lot of this too is like, there's only so many options in Fire Emblem to like do. So it's like, if I'm just constantly losing, like, I don't know what I could have done differently. <laughs> right. Um, I think Lunatic requires a lot of grinding, apparently, which is like, that's not really what I'm looking to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, hard mode's great. Um, yeah, Fire Emblem is a weird series to recommend because I, I really feel like it's either for you or it's not, and I don't know why it's for me. Um, I I really love the side banter you can unlock, and I really love the um, I honestly love the permadeath feature. I think that like the characters as a whole are fun. There are some that are really fleshed out, like Lucina. And then there are some that are basically like one joke that they commit to the whole time. Yeah. Um, like there's one guy in Conquest who whose armor looks like a superhero and he's always like to the rescue. Um, <laughs> and like that's his whole character. My favorite like joke character was in Awakening, uh, Kellum, who is this like chubby knight that no one ever knew he was around. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when he when he landed a critical hit, he would go, they saw me. Um, it was really <laughs> weird. They even added him like on the cover. It has all the characters like flying with their swords. And Kellum is like slightly transparent. Off. So you can't really see him that well. It's really funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're making me want to play Fire Emblem again, as if I have time to play Fire Emblem. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I, I played Awakening when it came out. Uh, Fates came out in 2016, I believe, and I'm playing yeah. it now. Like, I feel like, like Pokemon, it's one of those series where like you'll just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I I have that desire to play that game. Yeah. Um, it's hard to pick up any other time really because it's it's that kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We'll have to check in again when you get uh, close to the end or if you finish it because I I'm curious how that wraps up. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm still pretty early in. I'm only like. You know, I'm I'm a few missions after making that choice, and I've been enjoying the story after that choice a lot. Yeah. So I I I've heard that Birthright isn't as engaging as a story. I hear it's more like what you'd expect. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why I bounced. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um. I honestly though, like on paper and playing the game, I probably would have chosen to fight with Hoshido at the beginning too. But like, I'm kind of grateful that I was I was pushed towards Conquest because it seems to be a more interesting story. Yeah. Sick. Let's take a break. Sounds good. See you in a bit. Goodbye. See you in a bit. Goodbye. Bye. I feel like Bidoof would be like Pokemon beige version or something. Or like po Pokemon khaki. <laughs>
Pokemon Cargo Shorts Edition. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Breach? Yeah, let's talk about Into the Breach, which is a new game on Switch. It was on PC in February. It came out this year. Yeah. It is made by the same people who made FTL, which it's kind of interesting because we talked about um, Dead Cells not too long ago, which you kind of said felt like the spiritual follow-up to Rogue Legacy, which was your favorite roguelike, or yes. the roguelike you played the most. Yeah. This, the roguelike I played the most was FTL, and this definitely feels like, I mean, it literally is the next FTL. Um, yeah. I am so into this. I, I, I feel like this might be one of my favorite games of the year. I know yeah. we, we often talk about stuff we like, so I'm always like, I love this, but yeah. like... Well, that's the podcast. That's, yeah. that's the conceit that's the of our we're show. looking for. Yeah. yeah. We had we had a bit of tension with uh, uh, Fire Emblem Conquest, but that's thematically important for the game. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that was on that was on brand. I'll for, see you for, on the battlefield, Brendan. But uh, yeah. Into the Breach is a uh, turn-based strategy game, kind of like an isometric view, um, where you play as three mechs who had to fight these kind of Starship Trooper-esque giant bugs. It's a lot more about like considering the placement of pieces than it is like wiping out like fire emblem is mostly about uh, at least fire emblem fates is mostly about like wiping kill out the enemies enemy. yeah whereas into the breach is a lot about like just making sure no one gets hurt and like yeah uh you'll be given different objectives each time like my, my, it's like risk my... assessment more than more than it is combat yeah it, it, in that way it almost feels more like a puzzle game because like your mechs one might be like one might be able to knock an enemy back two squares. One might be uh, able to throw a shield up. Um, you unlock more and more mechs as you play, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And they aren't necessarily better than each other. They just do different things. Something I didn't realize. So when you unlock new mechs, you buy them in groups of three, and they usually are given a name that you can customize. But there's like right. the ones you start with are like there's the a rift walkers. Yeah. There yeah. is a like a gundam mech that can punch things there is an artillery mech and then there's a tank there's the ones you start with and then you unlock groups of three but you can actually mix and match between the groups of three which i didn't know right away yeah. and that has like so helped me because i i tend to play as the zenith guard which are uh there's one that shoots a laser that just goes down a line and it does mm -hmm. a ton of damage but it hits everything so you have to be risky with that um, yeah everything has a trade-off which i like uh, then there's one mech that like charges at an enemy and hits it, but it does self damage. I replace that with the Gundam punch one, and then there's mm. one that can throw shields up and it can also pull enemies in a certain direction. So like yeah. those three are my favorite. The other thing you can do while you play the game is you your pilots gain experience for completing objectives, and they will unlock passive abilities. Um, and at the beginning of each run, you can choose your pilot. Uh, you start off with one. This like really intense looking guy who clearly has traveled back in time he is like yeah. <laughs> never closed eyes i think i forgot his name he gets like extra experience for killing uh vec i've Those only unlocked yeah. four pilots my favorite pilot by far is henry kwan i don't know if you got him i have not yet no you you specifically pointed him out but i haven't seen him yet i love henry kwan he's basically uh like the chaotic good archetype um, mm. they, they all have like a little bit of personality kind of thrown yeah. in. Um, there's like banter between the pilots as you play, which is kind of fun. Yeah. I love that. Henry Kwan is like 
this goofball, super confident. Like there's one objective where you have to destroy uh, a dam and then it floods the map with a river. Yeah. And he goes, calling it now, Lake Quan. And like, like <laughs> he always said, like uh, when you travel back in time, he goes like, whoa, it was almost like there was two versions of me. How awesome would that be? And like, he's just wow. like so confident. I love him. Some, um, somehow jovial in the face of humanity's Yeah, I love demise. that because everyone else is very yeah. serious and he's just like a well-needed ray of light. But he, um, uh, his, pat- his starting ability is he can move through enemy units, which is really good. Mm. Um, but what's sort of a, a thing of the series uh, trademark of the of of this game is that when you lose a round you operate a time machine basically and you can send one of your pilots back in time but um, only one but only you have one. to choose and, and between they, whoever's yeah. left alive yeah exactly so you can unlock like you can if you unlock henry kwan you could play as henry kwan each time you play the game but that henry kwan that unlocked whatever you got in that run um is unique to that run and you can bring him back in time or whoever you know whatever pilot you think is best to start a new run with. I tend to find that I am able to bring back my main pilot off. I just lost like my ultra powerful Henry and I almost started crying. That's a really fun feature. The same way dead cells tries to make you respawning a story element. So does this game where like you're literally going back in time, which is really interesting. There is nothing better than games like this contextualizing their mechanics like in yeah. the narrative. I love that so much. I love and it that works too. so well in this game. Because I know I, I have the same thing. Uh, there's this one pilot that I'm using. She she operates the uh, the punch Gundam Titan uh, and her name is Camila. And I've used her for, I think, 15 or 16 runs straight now. Um, and I know that when she dies, I'm going to be devastated yeah. it's gonna happen eventually it happens <laughs> to everyone i always see this like talking to other people who've played this game like that's the same story everyone has is like i carried the same person with me through 40 runs and then she got destroyed and and it, it ruined my whole life and i had to start over again so i'm i'm like simultaneously dreading but also looking forward to that because it feels like a rite of passage as a person playing into the breach sure but but yeah i i just quickly like i can't stop playing this game every free moment i have i am spending playing into the breach um i am devoted to the rift walkers i have unlocked other groups of mechs but i have not used them at all <laughs> i am only using the rift walkers i'm like i'm gonna beat this game with them um because i've done the the way the game works is you start off on an island you have to beat the island and you collect resources uh by by beating the island and stuff that you can uh, just used to, I don't know, help yourself out in certain ways, upgrade your mechs, things like that. So you beat the first island, and then it unlocks another island, which you can then go to. Uh, and then if you beat that one, you can either go to a third island, or you can go directly to the last fight, uh, and you could beat the game there if you wanted to. If you don't do that, and you go to a third island, the final fight, once you get to it, will be harder than it would have been if you had done it after the second one. So the final fight scales up depending on how many islands you've gone through. So it gets harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Um, and and the I missions have, are always different on the island. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. missions have, have different, uh, have different objectives depending on which island you're on. Um, and then once you have unlocked all of the islands, the next time you go through and play the game, you can actually start with whatever island you want, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but I have done the four islands and then gotten to the final fight like many times at this point. In the beginning, I couldn't even get through the first island. Uh, and I've played this game, I think, for like 15 or 16 hours at this point. Um, and I, I felt myself getting better at it. And I feel like I'm getting into uh, the way I described this to my friend yesterday was like, I feel like 
this game is the closest thing I've ever seen to chess in video game form. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, totally I will just agree. sit there for not even kidding, 20, 25 minutes looking at one move, just like sitting there staring at it. Like I know there's a solve. I feel like every turn you had to kind of prioritize what you're willing to lose. So absolutely. Yeah. When when towns or, or kind of like building structures get attacked, you lose grid power, which is basically your health. Once that goes to zero, it's game over. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it's not your pilots dying. If, if all your pilots die, they'll be operated by AI. Right. So you'll still be able to use the mech, but they don't have any of the passive abilities your pilots could get. Um, yeah. I actually almost what always happens is like I start a run with my pilot, um, usually Henry. I and you start you start with your namesake pilot and then like two randomly generated pilots that kind of like remind me of like the crew of FTL. You just get these kind of random generated. Yeah, exactly. They go pretty quickly. Like they're gone, like in the first island. Oh, really? And then it's like my pilot and two AIs. And I love that story because the AIs like um, have some pretty funny lines of dialogue, oddly enough. Yeah, they'll be like systems calculated time to kick ass or something like that. Yeah, Um, yeah. I tend to prioritize my my pilots over everything just because they can get the bonuses like those are so helpful later in the run. Yeah, it's um, it's crucial to have that. Um, yeah. I yeah. And then so like there's basically three things to prioritize. There's getting the objectives done. There's the grid uh, protecting the towns and cities and then, and then your pilots and your mechs basically. Yeah, wait, explain how the grid works, because I tend to lose more to the grid than anything else. So the grid are the towns and cities, and if a Vec attacks them, you lose a bar from that. Um, there is also a passive uh, grid defense stat that some of the pilots can actually add to with whatever their passive bonus is. And that gives like yeah. a, you know, X percentage chance of that town being attacked and not taking any damage, yeah. um, which is really nice. That's partially why I use the mech that can throw shields up because they can throw a shield over towns and they can take a hit without you right. losing any grid, which is awesome. And you also find items that fall from the future uh, that are called like time pods. And time they pods, sh- yeah. They always try to get those because those contain like either a reactor, which you can use to upgrade your mechs, or a new pilot, which is huge. Or um, an ability sometimes, or like ability. a new, yeah. a new uh, weapon or something. And there are some rad abilities. Like there's that one that you activate your mech's fans and it blows everyone in one direction of your choice. Have you gotten oh, that man. one? Oh man, I haven't seen that, but that's awesome. That one is incredible. Um, and what I really appreciate that this game does, because it is so sensitive to positioning and movement and the environment, is that it lets you undo a turn before you've like chosen to attack. Yes. It also lets you completely reset a turn once per battle. Yeah. There's actually a pilot I just unlocked. I forgot his name, but he lets you reset twice per battle. Oh. Yeah. So that's his, that's his like main ability. That's very good. Camila is really good too. I have Camila. You know, you could change the mech that your namesake pilot rides, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but she's just always I just in like, the, yeah. the Camila is really good uh, to get a little bit in the weeds. Camila, I like a lot because uh, her main passive ability is that uh, she can't get webbed. She can't get like stuck in place by any of the any of the vets. Yeah, that's um, really good. And then also because I've taken her through so many things, she's max level. And one of her other uh, abilities is an extra reactor core, which I use to upgrade immediately as soon as I get another one on top of that. I always upgrade the dash. So oh, you can just yeah. dash across the whole map and then do like a 
great Pacific Rim-esque punch, <laughs> you know? It's very, like, Dragon Ball Z, just, like, slam a bug into the mountain and just break the mountain. Yeah. Um, big fan of that. Yeah, and the tone of the game is pretty fun. The, the story is pretty light. It's basically, like, destroy the Vec. Um, wow, I find it so dour and sad. Like, I find the game really, really depressing. Um, that's interesting. I think all the dialogue kind of subverts that a little bit, but I find, like, the actual, like... Whenever you land all the mechs on the map and like you can see little text box, uh, text boxes, text boxes. Is that? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Coming up from all the buildings and it's like, look out the window or like, dad, look, the, the rift walkers yeah, are we're here. Saved. Like, yeah, it is. There is a dark I find tone. That sad. That's like brutal to me. It is. I wonder if I'm getting a lighter tone because I'm always playing as Henry Kwan. I think that might be it. That might be it. Yeah. He's literally like, you know, uh, someone call an exterminator when he shows up. And like, that's it, amazing. it feels very uh, like it, it just. And that's so interesting, too, that the pilots not only have the, their abilities, but they all like can change the tone of the game. You know, yeah, like I was getting that kind of dour sense when I played. I think I think you all start with the same guy. I forgot his name. The, the dude who's like, just. Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking about. I think his name is yeah. James. James something. It might um, be. Yeah. Yeah, and then they'll like the pilots will have like dialogue together. Like when he when James went out, Henry was like, "I'll avenge you, James." And like there's a lot of yeah. little touches. It's very like um, it doesn't go super into detail with the story, but like it's all there. It reminds me a lot of how FTL approaches it, where it's like FTL is just like you are a Federation ship. You have to get away from the rebels. You have to get here. That's it. And yeah. you uncover some little stuff along the way. But it's very simple setup. Um, yeah, they both to me embody like they both seem very inspired by tabletop games. Um, mm-hmm. It feels a lot like you're playing like a D and D game or like simple setup, and you can kind of role play how you want to. You know, yeah. like the characters give you just enough of their personality that you can kind of put what you want onto them in your mind. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm really loving it. I I think it's a I think I want to say it's a better game than FTL. I loved FTL. I think FTL is more uh, about sort of like FTL almost sometimes feels out of your control how good a run goes because it's so totally. it's so dependent on what you uncover and that's kind of the fun of it is like the spectacle of the galaxy. This game is a lot more focused, and I think because of that, it feels more skill based. It feels like if you lose, it's because you messed up. Um, yeah, you, that's you did, that's. Yeah why i didn't get as into ftl as i did into other roguelikes was because there was so much rng happening there was so much randomness yeah that it was like getting better at this game doesn't really mean much if the things you're finding along the way in a run aren't helping you you know in the same way like binding of isaac like you could play that whole game and not pick up a single item the whole time you know like if you're just good enough at it yeah um and that's what into the breach feels like to me is like the more i play of it it's just like wow uh, I I'm learning like weird little tactics um, constantly. And I don't know. It's great. It's really, really good. I really can't stop playing it. There's like nothing else I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful. I'm really excited. I'm starting a, a commute again into the city. I'm going to have like two hours door to door, just about uh, twice a day. And I'm going to spend all of that time playing into the breach. I promise <laughs> you. This is also a game that I would say is like much better handheld. Like I, we always kind of talk about that with Switch games. I find yeah. it so much easier because it is a little bit hard to parse sometimes. Like, yeah, they will show you the path that like a bug will be attacking. Some bugs attack like directly in front of them. Some will launch like a catapult-esque attack. And if you highlight them, you can see what they're targeting. But 
looking at and maybe it's just my TV, but looking at that on a big screen it is can be overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. But having it like right in front of me on a handheld, I can much more accurately kind of pinpoint my actions. Um, yeah. This is um this is the first game I've played on the Switch where I put it into docked mode and put it on the TV for like five minutes. I was like, this feels wrong. And then I stopped. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything else is like, you know, it either feels better on handheld or on TV, but like you could obviously do both. It's really whatever. I literally like playing this on TV for five minutes. I was like, this is incorrect. This yeah, is not it what feels like want me to do. it feels like to the detriment of your ability to play the game. Like not that it yeah. looks bad, but just that like it just is easier to play handheld. Um, yeah. it's the first, I, I think I said that I preferred Octopath Traveler handheld as well. And I do, but that also like works fine on the TV. It's a preference. Yeah. This yeah. is like, I liked it way yeah. more on handheld, but I did play enough of that game on TV. Yeah, this is for like, sure. This has is, to be handheld. Yeah, this has to be handheld. Unless you like are very, the, I had to say the color palette isn't like, and maybe just because I'm coming off playing Splatoon, which is like the definition of colors popping. Yeah. This game Things can kind of get muted together. It's very like unsaturated, like greens and browns, and like very right. unsaturated reds to the point of being gray. It feels very nineties in that aesthetic, um, which very purple, which I am into. I I like the art a lot. I think it's yeah. it's very it's very uh, purposeful. FTL yeah. felt like this is the budget we got. Uh, this game feels like this is the direction we wanted to take. Yeah, um, and the music, just like FTL, is fantastic. I love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most games like this, I would normally turn the soundtrack off and I would like play, play my own music else. in the background. Yeah. But I, I do find myself like full volume playing this handheld like on the couch. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. The Switch right now is like, it's funny. Like, I, we've been doing this podcast for, I guess, like two months, three months at this point, something yeah, like that. Roughly. Somewhere yeah. in that vicinity. Like, I think every episode we've only really talked about Switch games or like Nintendo games. But I mean, they're just like, the stuff coming out on Switch right now is so, so good. And it's every um, week. Like, it's really like I was expecting us to have more kind of retrospective episodes. But like every yeah. week, there's something that is incredible. <laughs> we weren't even planning on talking about this. And then after we recorded the last episode, Nintendo did a surprise indie Nintendo Direct of like, hey, here's all this stuff. All the indies coming out yeah. on Nintendo Switch. And then at the end of it, they were like, oh, also into the breach, which like was my dream. All I want, I really wanted to play into the breach, but I didn't have a computer that I could play it on. Yes. Yeah, and then at the end of the thing, it was like, surprise, into the breach, out today, right now. And I texted you immediately. And then here we are playing it. You know, we're both tens of hours in already. Yeah. It, it only feels been out for a couple of days. So when I was uh, when I was home in Jersey, uh, my family got a new dog. We had a beagle growing up. Um, yeah. And and since like 2006, we haven't had a dog. We've had a lot of cats and other pets, but mm-hmm. and I love cats, too. But we had I came home, new dog, overjoyed to see me. Immediately, we fell in love with each other. And then in mm-hmm. the distance, I saw my old cat being like, I looked like you when I was young. And like, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about my Switch and my PS4 right now. Where like every time I come in the living room, I just immediately grab my Switch. My PS4 is like coughing up dust. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff coming out for PS4 in early next year. So I think that like yeah. as we record this, there's a lot to talk about in the coming yeah. months. I mean, but- truly, the other thing that I've been playing that I, I didn't talk about at all today, but uh, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 and their like huge 2.0 expansion comes out this week. Oh, cool. Um, so I'll probably be talking about that just like quickly. The really great thing. We're in this weird week of Destiny 2 where they released all of the changes 
to like all the weapon balancing and all the like ability balancing and um, change some stuff about like even how like how you are allowed to equip weapons and stuff. Um, so everything gameplay wise has changed since the previous week. But they they released all of that stuff a week before the actual content that it's supposed to go with came out. So there's like this weird in between week where everybody is just like very confused. Um, <laughs> Crucible right now is very strange, but yeah. also great, which has been really fun. Oh, also they did a trial yesterday, just yesterday, for one day of the new PVE PvP mode, which oh, I played cool. for like two hours before I left, and it is so fun. We have to get you in there. Yeah, I, I it's literally like once I get a hard drive i will be back in destiny 2 that's kind of cool. where i'm at yeah perfect i would love to play and i think that that would be a cool thing for us to talk about because there's so much new stuff like you just said yeah i would love to take you through um all the stuff that you haven't done yet and the new stuff because i will i'm sure have played it multiple times by the time will there be a moment when we're playing destiny 2 and we get to this like big open battlefield and on one side are the like ai aesthetic <laughs> humans and the other side are like the harvesters and we uh -huh. have to choose, and we choose the opposing side, and our friendship is over. Yep, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel it coming. I can see the storm clouds approaching. That's why it's called Forsaken. <laughs> I loved you! Um, <laughs> uh, is there any... <laughs> what a dark ending. Um, yeah. Is there anything coming out that you're excited about? Anything uh, on the horizon? I, more stuff on Switch. There's like more indies coming out. Hyper Light Drifter, I think, comes out soon. Also, I think that might also be next week, um, which I love that game. They added new stuff just for the Switch version, of course. Uh, so that's great. Uh, Bastion and Transistor, both what? of the Super Giant games, are coming out. <sighs> Sorry, I, those are I love both those games. Bastion's probably one of my top five favorite games. I haven't finished either, and I'm oh, really? going to play both. Yeah, I'm really excited. about I like that. Transistor a lot too. I think. For some reason, I, I also haven't finished Transistor, even though like I loved it. Yeah. Bastion, for some reason, just felt like Transistor takes a little bit of time to kind of get used to. Bastion mm. literally just throws you right in and it all kind of builds on top of itself. Yeah. Um, I also love like both soundtracks are great, but the 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 Bastion soundtrack is like one of my most ridiculous Spotify tracks. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Should we wrap up? Yeah, I think so. Do you have anything to say? Any, uh, uh, have you chosen your side? <laughs> Sorry, I can't drop that. Bit. It's not even that funny, and I keep bringing it up. You're like giving me facial cues, like it's Steven, it's really not working. One, I didn't like the game. I'm not, I'm, two, not you're... I'm not laughing, so like maybe just drop it, you know? Mis definitely misinterpreting facial cues. I think that goof is good. I appreciate Any it. Anyway, I, uh, I, I hate that goof, and I just want to thank everyone for listening <laughs> to the podcast uh it's great it's amazing that people continue to listen so thank you for doing that yes thank um, you besides that um you know come back next week we'll talk about more video games and my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm stephen hilger you can find me at stephen hilger thank you for listening and have a great week month and year yeah riddle me this mm -hmm. you have been raised by a certain group of people your whole life um you are a <laughs> prince and then they send you out on like a kind of basic like, oh, go on this field mission thing. Then you meet your biological family. Yes. Um, and they tell you like your dad just like takes dumps on people's lawns and runs away playing like mm -hmm. yakety sax on the radio. Like that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. Um, and then you have to choose a side. Have you chosen He's your a side, Brendan? Uh, yes, I've chosen my side and it's definitely not with the Looney Tunes. <laughs>
Uh, and on that note, have a good week. Goodbye. See ya.